Welcome again to Mince Levens From the Edge, a podcast geared toward helping entrepreneurs thrive by learning from the experiences of executives in the technology, biotech, and finance fields. On this podcast, Mince Levin partners who work with growing companies raising capital, building great management teams, and achieving successful liquidity events, will discuss with investors and entrepreneurs the key reasons that they were able to build successful companies and important lessons learned along the way. Mintz Levin is a nationally leading law firm <clears throat> focused on helping emerging growth companies achieve success. Check us out at mintzedge.com. Well, today we are really fortunate to have one of the icons of the startup community here in San Diego, Mike Kren. Mike is the president of the San Diego Venture Group. His current mission is to help the emerging growth startup community in San Diego and help it grow. He meets regularly with both startups and venture capitalists, helping connect quality startups with the right investors. Mike was a founder of both the Tech Coast Angels and ComNexus. He also founded the Venture Pipeline Group, a free service that connected entrepreneurs with capital sources nationally in tech markets across the country. During his career, Mike has been fortunate to work with hundreds of companies and entrepreneurs, helping more than 50 companies raise startup capital in excess of $100 million. He also has experience, and I love this, empathy with startups, having worked as the COO at a privately funded technology startup. So again, we're really fortunate to have Mike Kren with us today. Uh, For those of you who don't know Mike, Mike has just played an absolutely key role in really regenerating the emerging companies environment here in San Diego. And he's really devoted lots of time and energy to not only running a very important group here in San Diego, the San Diego Venture Group, but also in taking personal time to invest to meet with entrepreneurs um, all over the technology ecosystem to give them guidance and advice. And we're really fortunate to have Mike here to help share some of advice with entrepreneurs today. Uh, you're too kind. Thanks for, thanks for doing this. It's our pleasure. So, you know, look, you've been a mentor to so many entrepreneurs, and I think it would be useful for the entrepreneurs to hear, how do they go about finding a mentor like you? Yeah, so I, I think there's a couple of different ways to go after finding mentors. One, I mean, talk to the people in your networks, lawyers, bankers, accountants, and, and ask who they respect and who they can introduce you to. And that gets you a certain kind of a mentor, a, a generalist, if you will, oftentimes, maybe like myself. But the one thing I would do is to put the onus back to you, the entrepreneur, because this is to benefit you. So look at both the existing market that you're living in and who is out there that based upon their company or the stage of your company and what your critical issues are, who should you try to get access to and then leverage your network to try and get a meeting with that person. By the same token, don't limit yourself just to your existing region too. If there's people who have built companies that are like yours, maybe not competitive, of course, but synergistic or like business models, find, especially if they've had an exit and they, they're, they're out of the company, track those people down, go visit them, the one good thing about being an entrepreneur is you can you can almost cold call somebody and just tell them, hey, you're an entrepreneur, you know about their business, you respect what they've done, and you would love to just get 60 minutes of their time to pick their brain, you'll buy them lunch. Uh, I've even had people say, hey, look, I'm gonna be in Kansas City or Chicago on June 12th, and you know, if you can meet me, I'd really be appreciative. And 95% of the time, you will get those meetings, and those are the best entrepreneurs you can get. They, they hopefully will grow to become the best investors you will get as well, but that's, the, that's to me, is the best way to go seek out 
quality metrics. What, what about leveraging organizations like the San Diego Venture Group? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I take tons of meetings with lots of entrepreneurs. And, you know, the one thing I will say there is I, I take a lot of meetings and I'll be in these meetings and I'll rattle off names of people or companies and say, you know, this is somebody who might be good for you. And maybe a pet peeve is far too often I see these people just sort of digesting it and taking it and I'm not taking notes it's your company, you should be taking notes, and then you <laughs> should go back, check them out on LinkedIn, do your research, and when the time is right, come back to me or whomever you're working with and leverage that relationship so that you can get that meeting at the right time in the right way. Excellent. So very often entrepreneurs are looking for mentors for a variety of reasons, but principally it's about fundraising. And one of the big debates in, in sort of the whole startup community is, should you seek venture capital financing? Should you bootstrap? Should you work only with angels? And there's a lot of views on this, and people can get pretty emotional about it. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to get your view about, you know, what's been your experience as far as, you know, what companies should get venture capital? What companies are best to be bootstrapped? And how do you sort of advise companies when you're meeting with them to help them determine which is the best path for them? Yeah, I don't mean to be vague, but every single company is different. and. You know, there's an axiom out there that is, if you can do it without venture capital, then do it without venture capital. And, I, you know, I tend to generally agree with that. Uh, it gives you a lot more leeway in how you build your company. But then by the same token, there's certain companies where it just makes sense to raise venture. You need access to a lot of capital. Uh, VCs can be um, a, a form of barrier to entry because then you've got your name out there in the market. They know you're backed by XYZ Venture Fund. And, and they can also bring a lot of resources to bear in terms of customer acquisition channels, you know, structure to the company. So uh, it kind of depends on how your company is going to scale. And then in terms of which market you go after initially, it probably depends on where you are in your company life cycle. It's very hard to raise venture money. So um, it, it's great to bootstrap as long as you can. Uh, attract smart angel money early on as you're getting going, whether it's a seed or super seed round or however you want to classify it these days. And that gives you some forays into, into to when and where you might raise your next round, be it angel or venture or corporate. And you know, talk to your lawyers, talk to other people in the community, get a lot of feedback. You know, the one thing I will say is if you talk to 10 different people, you'll probably get 10 different sets of opinions. But uh, go, listen, and then you are the entrepreneur. It's up to you to decide, you know, which is the right path to take from there. So I think, I think that's really good advice. One of, one of my sort of favorite lines, and I kind of say it tongue-in-cheek with entrepreneurs when they ask me about, you know, what's the best way to fund their company? And I always say, revenue. <laughs> I agree with that. Right? You didn't give away any equity. Uh, definitely the best way to fund a company from the entrepreneur's perspective. However, the reality is markets grow, um, opportunities can pass very quickly, and bootstrapping or trying to build a company through revenue can really slow you down and other companies can get an advantage ahead of you. One of the things I've uh, learned over the years, and I think this is one of the um, advantages that places like Silicon Valley have, is I've said that money is a competitive advantage. And I've seen that over and over again with a lot of clients that just the one that was better funded seemed to do better. So because of that, I think it's important that entrepreneurs access capital. And you mentioned a little bit how hard it is to raise venture capital right now. Talk a little bit about, you know, why is it hard and what sort of tricks of the trade have you found to help entrepreneurs try to make it a little easier? Yeah, so it is very hard to raise capital. And I think one of the things that entrepreneurs miss is, 
they think of when you're first of all it's a full-time occupation i mean you have to be absolutely committed to it um, and then be very strategic about how you go at it but one thing i think entrepreneurs miss is they think of the competition for raising money as their competitors in the marketplace when in reality when you're raising venture capital you're competing against every single deal that vc sees and they will see on average you know two thousand deals a year so imagine you're a VC and you've got all these deals across your table. You're literally just picking the one that's got the least amount of risk cap with the most amount of upside. So you're a SaaS company, you're competing against every other software company, not even just every other SaaS company, let alone the SaaS companies that are in your vertical. So that's why it's so hard. In terms of you know strategies for how to go about raising that venture, that's a you want me to dive into that now? Yeah, please. Uh, I think I think I think it would I think it would be really important. So I just think before we we'll dive into that, but I think one thing you said here is really important, and I want to make sure we emphasize it. Again, I sort of tell entrepreneurs and, and my clients that you need to remember when you reach out to venture capitalists and even angel investors that they're actually not in the business of making investments. What do I mean by that? If you want to judge what somebody's business is, you look at what they do every single day, multiple times a day. And what angel investors, in particular venture capitalists, do every single day, multiple times a day, is they say no to investments. <laughs> That's actually their business, right? Their business is, is saying no and then trying to figure out which of, like you say, the thousands of, of uh, business plans that they get are they going to say yes to. So I think that kind of plays into the strategy again about how do you get their attention? Yeah, I mean, it's it's... The numbers are basically half of 1% of the deals they see they will fund. It's a very, very small number. And getting access in the right way is a big part of that. But even just getting access, I mean, I like to sort of back up and sort of reverse engineer the whole thing. So there's a ton of VCs out there. And first of all, you got to be at the right stage of your company. If you're not at the right stage of your company, don't do it. You're just wasting time. Focus on what you need to be interesting to those people so that when you get the meeting, you know, they're not, VCs are notorious for patting you on the back, telling you they love what you're doing and come back in six months or find a lead. That is a nice way of saying no. Um, so you've got to go out at the right time. That's the first thing. And talk to lots of people, figure out if it's right. If it's right, then you get on this path of identifying what VCs are a good fit for you. And that is a research project that you need to bark, embark on and own. Wait, I want to stop you for a second. You mean I shouldn't just blast 200 VCs <laughs> with an email? No, 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 definitely not. <laughs> no, definitely not. I mean, I, I like to go out in groups of five, it, personally, when I start the process, and I wouldn't go out to my highest target five first. I'd, I'd take a second-tier group and take my lumps and revise the pitch deck and understand the questions they're asking so that you're better equipped when you go in for the, the funds that you really want to get access to. Again, a very important thing you just said there about revising the pitch deck. Talk a little bit about that because I think I don't think entrepreneurs necessarily understand that the process of going out to venture capitalists is not so much in the beginning about getting them to raise getting them to invest. It's about learning, right? And about fixing your pitch so that it actually resonates. Yeah, so pitch decks are another sort of pet peeve of mine and not that you don't need them. So I love a pitch deck and it's the first thing I always want to see when somebody wants me to take a meeting. I love to get a deck first because then I can ask more intelligent questions and be more efficient with our our time together. But the one thing I'll say about pitch decks is you can you can overwork them to a certain degree too, right? So if you talk to 
10 different people about how your pitch deck could be better, you will get 10 completely different sets of advice. Absolutely. So again, listen to them all, digest them all, but you're the you're the CEO, you drive it forward in the way that you see fit. And at some point in time, I think it just dials back down to the business and the fundamentals of the business. You still have to be able to pitch it effectively, and the pitch deck is a tool towards that. But don't get, you do a great job with the deck, but don't get too caught up in Changing side four to slide eight and all right, that. Right, but, but going to the, you talked about like going out to five VCs, you know, really to get input and then yeah, to change the deck. And I think that's an important message uh, for I, entrepreneurs. I do too. I mean, you, you will get so much insight from your first couple of meetings just by watching the mannerisms around the table. Are they, watch, are they on their phone? Are they totally invested in the conversation? What follow-up questions did they ask? That implies what backup slides you're going to have so that when the VC asks you a certain questions about your revenue projections, you can go deep into, oh, I've got this backup slide and, and make sure that you come across like you really know your business, you know the competitive landscape, you know all the ins and outs. And so you, the more you've got those backup slides ready, the more professional it makes you look, the more it looks like you're on top of your game. So it sounds like you get sent a lot of pitch decks. I do. <laughs> What's sort of the... I know there's probably a lot of issues you see, but if you could sort of just mention one issue that you see that is sort of a consistent, you know, error um, in pitch decks, what would that be? Uh, the the funniest one is not having your contact info on there. But <laughs> okay, not having your contact. I sent it along, but I didn't tell you how to actually contact me. Yes. That's okay, that would one. be a major mistake. Yes. But you know, I don't know that there's any one thing. I mean, I think there's enough stuff out there right now that entrepreneurs generally do a pretty good job of that. I mean, I. Me, like most probably seasoned folks, they'll read through it in five minutes and decide whether or not it's it's worthwhile to take a, a deeper dive into it and then have the conversation. So, 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 so one of the things I've, I've tended to see, like you, Mike, I mean, I read, you know, exec summaries and PowerPoints and pitch decks all the time. One of the things I've noticed is because so much of what I personally do, and I think what you probably see here in San Diego as well, it's so sort of technology and biotech focused that the pitch decks tend to be overly focused on diving into the technology yeah. and not paying attention to who the audience is. And I always try to remind entrepreneurs that yes, your investors are interested in what your technology is because that's obviously the key, right? Mm -hmm. That's the magic potion that's gonna ultimately get them what they want. And what they want is money. Yep. And so if you don't focus in that pitch deck and in the executive summary on things like revenue model and how you're gonna make money, and how you're going to make these VCs, you know, give them the two to five to ten x return that they're going to require. That seems to be a. I, I tend to see that as sort of a, a missing link very often in the first drafts. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. The other thing I, I think now that you mentioned it too is there's far too often I, I I see stuff that when you read a lot of plans, you know that they're sort of BSing you at some point in time. You know, <laughs> like a company X or. Or in the bio, it says that you know I've worked at th I've worked at three large companies that had exits in excess of fifty million dollars. Well, don't tell me that. Tell me what companies they were. Be specific. If that stuff's not in there, we're all jaded. We're it's it's really easy to be jaded when you see so many plans. So don't try and BS people. If if it's just be honest with it and upfront because you're just going to be wasting your time at the end when it comes down to figuring out the, the details that are in that, that deck too. So, and that goes with, you know, current customers. Are they paid customers? Are they not paid customers? Be honest and sincere about where you are in your company life cycle and where you are with traction in the marketplace and, and all those other data points. So 
How different is your advice if the entrepreneur wants to reach angel investors versus venture capitalists? It's, I mean, it's very different. I mean, I think on the angel side, I think it goes back to what I was talking about with mentors. The ideal angel is somebody who has built a business similar to yours or in a similar space, who understands the industry, who hopefully had an exit uh, that was good for his or her investors and they made some money along the way. I don't care where they are in, in the country. San Diego entrepreneurs have been very good about being scrappy in that way. and They raise money from Chicago, Dallas, wherever it is. But if you find people like that that understand the industry, then you're not educating them on the marketplace. They just have to get comfortable with you as an entrepreneur. Then they ultimately invest. And then they've got resources where they can make connections. If it comes time to do an M&A transaction, it might be to the same company that they sold their last company to. Those are far and away the best um, investors. So the other thing I tell people too is if you're if you're going out trying to raise angel money and you're pretty early in your life cycle and you're a, a medical device company and you're talking to people in the telecom space, well then you got to educate them on the market and then they got to get comfortable with you and that's mm-hmm. uh, that is a really difficult proposition. <clears throat> so spend, it's it's they're investing because they either because they know you, they like you, and they will bet on you. You're the jockey they will bet on or they know the space so well that they see the, the, the opportunity in the market and then they get comfortable with you that you're the guy that can go out there or gal that can then execute on that plan and then they'll invest. So, Mike, I think, I think that is such, such important advice for entrepreneurs to understand, right? There's a whole sort of world out there that tells people that, oh, you know, if you go to a lawyer or you go to an accountant or you go to some advisor, right, they can help you by introducing you to angel investors. And what you just said is completely consistent with my experience of like 30 plus years of helping companies get funded, right? 90 plus percent, and it probably is 98 percent of yeah. the companies that I've been involved with that have raised angel funding, raise it from people that know the entrepreneur personally, yep. which I always like to remind people, who knows the people best that know you personally? <laughs> uh, might be you, Mr. Entrepreneur, right? 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 Yeah. Or, or they made a gob of money in that specific space Right, so they really understand that specific area, yeah. and who's in the best position to identify the people that made a gob of area in the specific space that you're in? Yep. Probably you, Mr. Entrepreneur, yep. Yep. as well, right? Yeah. And yet, there's this mentality that other people can somehow help you raise angel money. Yeah, yeah. And you will waste so many cycles taking meetings and having multiple meetings, and then not getting across the finish line. And you waste all that time when you could have been focused on customer attraction and building the business to get those uh, milestones that would actually help you. Raise raise money from people that would likely invest. Well, this is great, Mike. So we're going we're gonna to wrap up, but I want to just ask you, you know, one question. This is really your opportunity to tell the entrepreneurs out there, if there was one thing that you wish they all knew before they started a business, what would that be? Well, I will actually, I would like to focus on what you can do to be more effective in fundraising because it is a pet peeve of mine. So um, it, it's... It's your business. You're focused on the fundraising. Treat fundraising almost like it is a a business that you're going down. And then make it easier for all of us to help you. That gets back to Jeremy talking about identifying who are the companies that raised money in your space that had successful assets. It's easy for us to reverse engineer to figure out who, who invested in those companies. And then make it easy for us to make introductions. So craft the email and then attach the pitch deck and so that all we have to do is forwarded on to Jim Smith at XYZ Venture Funds. And then it's up to you to quarterback it at the end of the day because we're gonna send out 
you know, five or 10 different introductions. Some may respond, some won't. Uh, we need to know to follow up and, and track these people down. So it's up to you to keep that spreadsheet, monitor it, figure out who's introducing you to what funds and where they are in the cycle and track everything. And also be effective too and do your research. So say you're trying to get an introduction to Excel Ventures. Well, Excel has 10 partners. There's probably one partner there who is a better fit for your deal than the other nine partners. So maybe somebody that's in your networking group can introduce you to the guy you want to get to if it's Jim. Uh, if you can't get to Jim, then, then send it to me. I'll send it to Bill and Bill will, I'll put in my note, Jim's the right guy. Can you get it to Jim? And then you've also saved yourself a bunch of time too because if you're going to have a meeting, if you A, get the meeting, then partner A you're going to meet with is going to vet it and say, okay, that's kind of interesting. Come back and talk to partner B, which is the guy you should have been talking to from the first place. So own it. It is yours. We're here to help, but we're all busy people too. Um, so help help yourself by helping us be more effective. Mike, this, this has just been great. Thank you so much for taking the time to share your wealth of knowledge and experience with the entrepreneurial community. We really appreciate it. So that'll wrap up today's session. Uh, this is from the edge, and we look forward to having Don't you in get our some next. Money. <laughs> look forward to having you <laughs> on our next program. Thank you, everybody.